Welcome to the Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwartzman, joined by Seeking Alpha author Akram's Razor, as always. As listeners know, the Razor's Edge features ideas that Akram studies and invests in personally and as part of his Seeking Alpha marketplace service, also called the Razor's Edge. I bring a more generalist take. We look at specific ideas, we discuss how they might play out, we'll talk about the research. If you're interested in more of those ideas, I recommend you check out Akram's service called The Razor's Edge. You just have to type in A-K-R-A-M or Razor into Seeking Alpha search bar or to seekingalpha.com slash marketplace. And you can find those, get his ideas, get into a chat room following this, etc. This week we're talking about one of the hottest topics in the market in 2020, Zoom. Zoom is the video communications company that has stepped into our work from home environment and seized the market's attention. As I believe Akram has said on past podcasts, I know he said it on Twitter as well, the stock has almost been like an inverse ETF for the market. The company become has become a household name. It is something that just about everybody is conducting their social lives through with its easy to use and pretty dependable app for video calls. With great power comes great responsibility, and Zoom's received scrutiny recently for its lack of security and privacy protections. There are also plenty of questions about whether the company can hold its advantage over the long term, and we haven't even got to its formidable valuation. So that's what we're talking about today. Requisite disclosure here is that we're recording this on Zoom. We've been using, we were ahead of the curve here using Zoom for the past few months before the pandemic started. Before we begin, our usual disclaimer and disclosure The Razor Edge is a podcast on Seeking Alpha's The Investing Edge channel. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions in any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast. I forgot to check, I don't have a position in. ZM, Zoom, Akram, do you have a position before we get going? Not right now. No position right now. Okay. So the quick setup, the stock is still up big for the year. Start of the year, about 70 bucks a share. It's at 109 right now. Not many stocks that can say they're up that much. It's I didn't pull up the EV sales number, but it's some really high number. And just in the last week or so, You've started to see more 50 times sales and trailing uh, $35 billion market cap company, 620 million trailing revenue. Right. And they might do a billion this year if I, or you're, you think that they'll do a billion this year. Well, that's what I thought for. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fine. Fine. So, So, and then we can get into where those numbers have to go and how does that play out eventually. Right. uh, I mean, yeah, that was, I mean, look, Zoom is a bit of a bitter pill for me, Daniel. Like, I was, this was a stock that, you know, when we were doing the SaaS bubble, was crazy. I know it. I, I looked at it a, a while back from a private investment standpoint for someone. And so I was familiar with it. Not, not in terms of using the product much, though, really. So <clears throat> just the, the background on the story, the history uh, and the space and, it IPO'd, you know, to much anticipation and you knew it was going to do really well. And it was a stock that I was, you know, using almost as a proxy for things I was shorting in SaaS. Uh, 
in what do you want to call it the summer right like zoom was you couldn't pick on zoom the only thing you could pick on zoom for was valuation good unit economics positive operating margins nice story and like a seemingly simple simple product with you know existing competition out there but like that was being made irrelevant by that just marginal utility advantage in terms of ux and usability so like if you remember like i was shorting slack when slack ipo on teams microsoft giving it away uh, thesis like but we weren't thinking that way with skype and webex and, and hangouts with zoom and even uh, like and a lot of that slack stuff has by the way starts significantly subsided since like i mean if you remember mattermost for example there was there was the on-prem security privacy issue to not wanting to have your your chats uh, hosted with with a slack and that was like kind of mattermost's pitch and then there was microsoft is just bundling it with office like it's it's tough you know it's tough to compete with free when it's chat no matter how hip the name or whatever is but like you could like you didn't have anyone willing to make that argument with Zoom. It was just like this fucking rocks. Well, it, and it's, can we, it's that much better quality, and it's just so simple and easy to use, and it's great. What do you think? So you you said you evaluated as a private investment. It's only been public. It will hit its first birthday on the public markets in a couple of weeks, and. We we've, we're familiar with video chat. My Skype handle dates back to when I was in college, almost fifteen years ago, and and I don't think that was the beginning of Skype. I think Skype I mean, was I can around. I give you a like a earlier. quick summary if you want on the background yeah, of this. Yeah, so why is Zoom? What the, what made the, Zoom the, better? That's what I want to get at. The founder CEO Eric Wan. I mean, I, I guess that's how you. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, Eric Wan or Eric Wan. That's what I've heard, anyways. Anyway, the, he was. He was an engineer at WebEx, and I mean, I don't know if how familiar you are with WebEx, but early conferencing company, he's Chinese immigrant, comes to the U.S., uh, he's, wants to move to Silicon Valley, gets a job. I think he was a computer science, uh, math kind of guy background, gets a job in WebEx and basically rises and WebEx to head of engineering. And, and I, I mean, I think a lot of the the code and, and patents uh, I, I think he's on like 20 30 patents i don't remember something like that but superstar at webex and webex gets sold to cisco systems for three three to four billion dollars if i remember two before financial crisis 2007 from there i think he starts he starts going through this whole kind of process of He's not happy with the product. His point is like he starts meeting people and customers and, you know, the, installing WebEx, it, the onboarding process takes a while. Setting up a room and a meeting, that takes a while. And forget like the, the, the hardware component to these types of things and, the inter and uh, interfacing with that as well. The video conferencing, some of the quality wasn't great either. You would have reliability issues. And customers were just generally, it wasn't something that was like a fun thing to do, right? 
you, you, you didn't, you didn't look at it as frictionless and from a user experience good. So, I mean, here's this engineer who I guess talks to a bunch of customers and they're just unhappy with it. And he's like, he's really depressed by this and just supremely frustrated and thinks that this is a major issue. And he's badgering his bosses at Cisco that, you know, we, we, like we either need to make some major changes to the existing product or we need to we need to build a new product from the ground up and they weren't having any of that and i mean like at this point it's it's close to a billion dollar a year revenue business at cisco and i'm sure nice fat margins and they're doing really well and so he decides to bounce i think sometime in like 2011 12 it looks like he found, Zoom was founded in 2011, is what I'm seeing in the S1. Right, so yeah, so he bounces, raises some money here. Yeah, I pulled this up. Now I can look at it. 2011, three million seed round. He got money from like a, a former colleague. Even the, the, the CEO of WebEx even invested some money in it. Raises some some seed capital, and he builds like his product. Does like you know a, a beta. And I mean, I guess the notable things about it were it was uh, user experience focus. So like the, the first iteration, the, the, the quality was very high and the, the onboarding process, which I, I guess had been a major barrier, well, like he completely simplified that down. And people were very impressed with it. And I think they, they launched sometime in 2013 and they did like a series A and, you know, they had like a million customers quickly. He focused on the education vertical. So I think when they launched, it was like, there was a free option. You had 20 minutes. I think now it's 40. The paid options were like $9 a month. And I think they, like he ended up doing something like a, like a dollar a month per uh, for the educational license to, to and they got like they got some quick customers you know they got some big universities and uh the feedback on the product was was really good and so, i mean i like just to jump in because he's uh, his name is on the patents he doesn't have that sort of risk that a lot of upstarts have where somehow they infringe on this or that like he would th that's not been a factor in zoom story is that fair to say yeah, no, there's no, this is not like a Palo Alto network, Cisco. There's none of that. It's, he, I mean, he was, he's on patents of WebEx related stuff when he was at WebEx. I, I mean, again, this is just something where a lot of the difference is, is user experience. I mean, his big issues were like, it took you a bunch of steps to install WebEx, which customers complained about. And the audio and video quality were just not very consistent. And, he 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 wanted to address those issues and i mean we well actually i mean we can get into like today when you think about it the that there clearly were sacrifices like i mean i i was i i posted some i don't know if you saw i posted something on twitter where like he apologized this this week for mm -hmm. security failures and like i mean we'll get we'll get into that later but I posted like a video of, uh, have you ever seen the movie Armageddon? You know, that's one of my holes in my pop culture. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, that's the Bruce Willis uh, uh, asteroid. asteroid heading for yeah. Earth. And they, they put together a team to go drill the asteroid. 
right? <laughs> That's right. And yes. uh, the well, there's a, a a good scene that I mean they hire these like deep sea oil drillers, and the scene where they like they show up at NASA, and these deep sea oil drillers uh, get to examine like the vehicle that they'll be using to drill on the asteroid. It's, I think it was called a an armadillo, right? And, and it's like you know this like RV souped up NASA RV, and like as soon as the drill team enters it, they like strip it down from all like the dead weight it has in it. And there's like a good part where it's like, oh, what's this? Uh, a $400 ice cream scoop? We don't need that. You know, they're just throwing stuff out of it, right? Like I, so when like, I mean, when I was explaining Zoom to someone last year, what is valuation and like what, what made it so different? I was like, because they had a security issue on macbooks last summer like temporary like it didn't do much to the stock when it was in invincible mode like in june and july but you know like people were people were like you could get get into someone's webcam on, on because it installs a web server and, and and that's part of what makes it so seamless to get on it if you invite someone it just installs itself you don't have to go through this whole process and it's not asking for permissions or, or, or whatever but my 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 vision of of zoom of the ceo seeing is like he built was the main engineer behind the webex product and he like makes this ux version called zoom is that he was just like 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 took webex and is just throwing out all the junk right I don't need this. I don't need that. And, you know, I mean, like from a physical standpoint and that a lot, and some of that stuff is like, you know, what would you think would, 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 uh, make, you know, a, a, a very light video conferencing product would probably be removing <laughs> these things around privacy permissions and security that can probably weigh down the user experience. Right. Well, and it seems like, I, I'm not. Maybe you have the the knowledge from talking to people for the engineering. The the key thing to me for Zoom is that it just works in terms of. It, I understand the easy to get on and stuff, but it's also just it stays up. I had a group WebEx call for something not related to work yesterday, and people kept blinking in and out with their video. It just wasn't the same. Fidelity, whereas when we do a work call, let's say with a big team in Seeking Alpha, it's you know everybody's coming in clearly. There's not; they just have to remember to unmute yeah, themselves. Well, look, remember, it's been it's it's a microservices architecture, cloud native, right? Okay, right. So versus this, you know, monolithic built product from you know pre from pre cloud era that you're kind of patching and like you know this goes back to the whole argument he was making uh and i mean i am like I, i'm not an engineer either but i'm just assuming that's all that's obviously played a huge part in in, in uh, the quality and the focus in terms of being very product oriented but i do think that there are layers that have been like, they've been criticized let's not say think now you got you got to take it with a grain of salt because it's competition but cisco skype teams whatever you want to call it now even google hangouts like these engineers and ctos from from uh, these products have hit out on the fact that every step of the way zoom has favored you know user experience over privacy 
and uh, security. Like they had a whole beef with this Mac OS thing last summer. Like this, like the the person who found the flaw like refused to take the bounty on it because he was just like unhappy with the way they dealt with it. Like you could just essentially hijack the system, and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, this is just an accident, and it didn't do this, and like uh, we didn't think about that. It's uh, and this is what you need to do going forward." But you've seen a lot of stuff this week. I mean, the uh, NYU's uh, New York school system hit out against them. Connecticut as well is doing an investigation. The FBI like this started with uh, you know Mr. Elon Musk, right? So SpaceX and uh, and then NASA, ironically, banned Zoom on security, and then like you've got you've got this whole wave of, I mean, there's just weird shit going on with Zoom, like that's other stuff that's going on in this environment, like these these people on Discord. Have you ever used Discord? I haven't. We've I've looked at it, but. You know, I know Discord from like when I was doing the NVIDIA short because there's like this big for weird, gaming. Yes, and there's like was a whole crazy subculture of mine of, of miners on there, and, and like I mean, it's in of itself this whole another universe. But you would see like the crazy stuff that kind of goes on there, so I can kind of get it. But like it turns out, like there's just like like there's groups on Discord that are are sharing information for like Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, and. Uh, you know, feminist meetings and corporate, like just passwords and, and, and links. So you can literally crash, uh, crash zoom, uh, uh, zoom meetings. Kara Swisher, uh, what's it called? Got uh, porn bombed or whatever. The call with Jessica lesson of the information. Apparently they, they had to do it again after they got harassed or whatever the, I mean, you know what I was thinking about when I was thinking about this is that, I mean, one thing that like since Zoom's been public, I've been on every single Zoom conference call and they do the Zoom conference calls on Zoom. They've got the backgrounds and it's clear and like the analysts get on visually. And and I was just thinking like, it's really a shame that like we didn't get to a point where like all the sell side and a lot of corporations were using Zoom. So like a short seller could just like, you know, show up on a, a conference call and just be like, the, while they're talking, you know, start writing, like running across the bottom, fraud, overstating. Like, can you imagine like uh, Muddy Waters crashing uh, Luckin Coffee's uh, conference call or something like that with, uh, wh- with when it's hosted on Zoom? Well, that'd be, then it but unfortunately, the security, uh, the, yeah, exactly. It becomes a new entertainment channel, Zoom conference calls. You, I mean, who would not pay a lot of money to see David Einhorn show up on the Herbalife call or whatever? I mean, it would have been great. It would have been great to be able to to get to that point, but uh, they they hadn't exactly hit that. I was actually annoyed on the pager duty. They had like wasn't even not using Zoom, even though when they ha- had their summit, they had the CEO of zoom eric like for a one-on-one for 20 minutes and he's wearing his zoom shirt uh, his pager duty t-shirt and talking about how he's you know employee number whatever 301 or whatever like if they had 300 employees he was like the 301st i don't remember how many they have but i was just like okay you got 20 minutes out of him and you featured him i get it everybody wants to be rubbing shoulders with zoom like they were you know as hot as can be 
last year and like you know these when these companies go public they all kind of want to club together like you know zoom integrates with slack slack integrates with page duty that that whole SaaS universe and they do this conference call like in the midst of coronavirus and they're talking about working from home and like they're being used to remote whatever and there it was like a staticky call and it was messy and you couldn't hear anything and i'm like okay this is not even like something I would be find acceptable, you know, five years ago. And it's like how you 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 sit there and you talk about Zoom and, and you do a one-on-one for 30 minutes of your summit with like how close you are and how great a customer. I was like, and then I watched them on Twitter, like do like, you know, one of those, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, when you have like 10 Zoom, t- 10 faces at a time or whatever on Zoom. Well, it's just a is it a, you're talking about a screenshot or something when well, they do the shared like, screen but like yeah, you know oh, shared screen. Yeah, yeah like the brady bunch right you do that where gallery like, view yeah, where you have the, everybody's yeah the, head the, the, the gallery view and like they're wishing everyone everyone at page of duty wishing everyone at zoom well through zoom and i'm like you guys did all this and you have this whole elaborate thing and you post it on twitter i mean at least use them for your conference call with investors right? well so so i guess that sort of highlights it though if you don't do that it's because you want to button up a little bit more for those conference calls so i guess the question with the security stuff is it seems to me like there are two things right and maybe you can break this out more but it seems like first there's security as far as who's on the call and then there's also various reports of what's actually happening to the call. They're being recorded when you don't expect, or they're being sent. I saw we have a report, some calls are being backed up in China. So that's an issue. And then there's another thing you have to apologize Sharing with Facebook and all this other. So are these- Pretty much everything that you can think of that's negative in terms of name dropping right now. China, i.e. the land of evil. (laughs) (laughs) Which- which which right. gave us corona, which gave us coronavirus, and you know everybody hates it. We obviously, you know anyone who's listened to our podcast knows that that's not exactly our view or my view, at least. But it's uh, not and, my view, but it's a reputation. It's certainly, well, yes. and it's China's fair to not, say China's not popular right now. I mean, I saw something yesterday in the Globe and Mail in the UK. They're like the, the United Kingdom wants to sue the Chinese for four hundred billion in uh, uh, in damages for coronavirus. And well, God forbid something happens to Boris Johnson, how how much worse it would get between them. But like, right. I'm looking at that, and I'm just like, well, yeah, the British suing anybody for, <laughs> for damage, like, cross cross border damage. You know, like, but like, hey, you know, 500 years of colonialism. Right. It is fair to say that China's repu- China's reputation around privacy specifically is. The government's reputation is relatively well It's a communist well country. Earned. I mean, there's yeah. not much to say, you know. Right. Like you don't have to. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We're not defending right. it. It's right. a communist nation. You're not like privacy doesn't exist. It's an authoritarian regime. Can't even pronounce it anymore. We we know that. It's not a secret. Right. right? So that's it's been that way. We watched Tiananmen Square. The highlights. Like it's it's all that's left. Right. Right. But and it's so, capitalism. It's capitalism meets communism. We know how it works. But the point is, right now in the United States, it's it's a, it's a, it's a target. I mean, if you saw the president just two days ago, like a Chinese reporter was asking a question, and, and like he's like, uh, do you, "Who do you work for?" And she's like, "God, you know, the some Hong Kong newspaper." He's like, "Yeah, but who owns it?" 
China? China? The state? Is it owned by the state? And she's like, no, it's a private enterprise. Like, oh, okay. What's your question? Right? That's where we're at. So what's interesting about this from a Zoom standpoint is one of the things, Zoom has positive margins, right? Like you're 14, 15% non-gap margins, good unit economics. Uh, like, and, and one of the things yeah. about Eric is like he's built a customer-focused, great user experience, love product that also makes money right out the gate. A lot of the questions that, that if you've listened to these Zoom co- uh, conference calls, like a lot of the analysts are just like, you guys could, you know, you, like, do you think like you're not spending enough? Right. I mean, like, it's like they're, they're basically being like, you know, you're, it's great that you have these margins right now, but it just seems like you're so crushing it. Spend more. And they're just basically saying like, you know, if they felt the ROI was there, they would do it, but like, they're not going to just, you know, piss money away to just drive incremental top line that just doesn't make any sense to them. That's kind of really been the story. Like it's just, it's, it's this perfect bulletproof SaaS. Uh, and I mean, look, I'm gonna be honest. Like I, he's a really likable CEO. So he's like, I mean, if you listen to these conference calls, it's like, you know, he, like he tells the analysts he loves them, right? It's like, I love you. I love you. And he jokes and he's a funny guy. I mean, like he's, he gives off a very genuine feel, right? So that he really is customer focused. Like, you know, I mean, the evangelism in software is, has been like, you know, so overdone in the last several years, but like Zoomtopia, like, like to me, he's a genuine believer in that. So when he comes out and, and he's like, I screwed up and I apologize on security. And, and like, I genuinely believe he, this is really bothering him despite his, how successful they are and how well they've done because he, this is his mission. Like he really has been focused on this and he wants the customer happy. And like for now to be facing this kind of situation where, I mean, remember this is being used right now by like every single educate school on earth. Right. You can't, you can't, I mean, like let's not sugarcoat it. You can't have people being able to drop in and uh, porn bomb, you know, like kids studying at home on zoom this is pr wise it's it's a nightmare and that's where you get into kind of the complications that the the upside of zoom's business this is an enterprise focused business i mean it's kind of, like he comes from webex cisco culture selling into the enterprise education is another vertical for them but i mean from initially get, creating the Zoom meetings to what they did really well, which I think really got them going, was the connectors. So, like making Zoom interoperable with you know your Polycom, Cisco, what your hardware, these conference rooms, and the, the amount of money enterprises have spent on that in, in the past, basically saying, "Hey, you've got this." And, and also, they benefit too from 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 bring your own device. That whole trend to be to be able to use your hard the existing hardware and to be able to work with BYOD. That whole frictionless interoperability thing they they they, they crushed that, and that's what really got them going in terms of the enterprise. So they they're not thinking about consumer. They're not a social network. You know, it's not like where like now like. You know, I'm talking to people around the world on Zoom who they're in countries, for example, that block WhatsApp and they're now able to use Zoom because Zoom is unblocked. And WhatsApp, by the way, still is blocked, right? 
And you're just like, oh, I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, you know, like the, I mean, like, you know, you can still talk, but like the video, the video calls don't work. So this company does come from, from an enterprise focus. It wasn't focusing on, on the consumer. And all of a sudden people are using it as a social tool. And that, that introduces, you know, this kind of, what do you want to call it? A crisis of identity because Let's before we get into like how we I mean, I'm not sure what your views are on this in general in terms of how they'll perform and like whether or not we're dealing with a potential social network here as well and and maybe have to think about it in terms of WhatsApp and TikTok and these other names. The way I see this is the this has put them front and center. But if you were to assume that a year from now Zoom is not like a social tool you know, that people are using uh, for communication. Uh, and it, it, it's not, let's say, let's call it uh, uh, C to C or even B to C. If that's the case, then what will be the legacy of coronavirus for them? It will be for like a lot of existing customers who are very happy. All of a sudden, security became an issue, Right. I think, yeah, I, I'm hard pressed when I, I'm just trying to think about social communication and there's, we haven't gotten into competition per se yet, but you think about the rise of, you know, I, I just watch my wife is much more social than I am and she's got video calls on Zoom, she's got them on, house party has been used quite a bit, WhatsApp, yeah. like it's all. Google Hangouts, Google Meet. And all those other House party is its own thing, I, I think. I don't think anybody it belongs to anybody bigger. But Google has their ecosystem to monetize. Apple has FaceTime as part of a reason to be part of the, the iPhone owners is essentially a social network. It's And so I think that the social play is just, especially because this has now forced them to focus on security. Anyhow, it's not like they can... They've got backgrounds, right? But they're not going to be able to, they're not going to set up Snapchat like filters or whatever, I think very quick because they've got to really focus on security. So to me, it's, I'm, I can see over, I can see predominant B2B adoption. And I, I think you're, you know, conference calls is a pretty good example of a vertical that they could mine in the coming months and years. And I think it's, I've noted, Inside of Seeking Alpha, for example, we're a pretty distributed company as is, but I think it's also this period has opened up eyes to how we can even better distribute between when people are in the office versus the people who work remotely, how to balance it. So I think Zoom still gets some tailwind from that. But yeah, I'm a little bit skeptical that people are going to suddenly change how they lead their social lives where it benefits Zoom's model in any meaningful way. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, that's that's very fair. I, look, I mean, I look at uh, like production tools. I was watching John Krasinski's uh, Some Good News Now. Right. And uh, like when I see, I'm like, this guy just started a Jimmy Kimmel show, right? From like his house. Like I was talking to a friend in, in the media space and they already reached out to them and they're like they have like 40 
brands that want to work with him already. Like, I mean, he's, this is like, it's a business already. Success story. And I mean, what's his, what's his toolkit? Yeah. I, An internet, I, internet connection, Zoom, and, and, you know, his charming editing. personality and his wife's charming personality and, and the fact that he's got, you know, a Rolodex. And you know what? There is like that one-on-one -on -one kind of intimacy that comes when you watch these people. Like, I mean, like they did the Alexander Hamilton and you see that and you're like, well, you know, what's, do you really need a studio? And if you've got someone like John who knows everybody, like the, he can definitely book guests and how much more convenient is it? And like, how easy is it going to be for him to do what he's doing? And like, is he now like a late night competitor with everybody late night if he wants to do this full time? Like, yeah, right. Well, he's he's ready for the role because it's very easy for him to look directly into the camera there. Yeah, but when you think about it, like what's the key piece of technology uh, being used for something like that? And it's video conferencing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think. I, I, I also think we're still, unfortunately, I would say, relatively early days in all of the I mean, we're in week four in Europe. I think in the States, it's probably week two or three of widespread lockdowns. I do think that there you are going to see some snap back to where people are going to want to see normal programming and experience normal social life as we think of it pre-coronavirus. And I understand that there's going to be waves of... Oh, of course, 100%. Look, let's try Let's try to avoid the uh, the contemplating the time and the whatever we want to call it here the curve essentially or the return to some level of normalcy and, and the time frame i mean we've done that a couple of times and i just like that's always such a head like i mean i the, the chat i had yesterday with these people that i'm friends with in the in the ad space uh, the disruptions in digital advertising, like once you start talking about this and then you start talking about college football and whether or not that's going to come back to normal and how that affects budgets and education and who's bought, who's, who's done media spend that like they can't get back and how the movie studios are changing the way they're spending and they want to use influencers instead of programmatic. Like it, you, you're like, okay, well, it's Armageddon again, right? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter if we, if we go back to work tomorrow you're going to be dealing with this for a while, so I don't even want to think about that. I, I, I agree with you. Let's just assume from a standpoint that Zoom is, be is, is benefiting and that they definitely have a tailwind. Uh, whether we want to sit there and conclude, uh, is this something that's competing with WhatsApp, right? I mean, when you think about it, like Zoom right now is what, $33 billion? Yeah, I think it's a little less last I looked, unless I have the wrong share count. I feel like it's a little bit closer to... Yeah, it got it got up to about 45. It's come down notably uh, the last 10 days, right? I mean, and this, this has happened... On the flip side, I was amazed at how high it went, right? I mean, I sold this stock like at 112 or 114, uh, uh, at the very beginning of this, like I had actually bought this on like the, in the seventies when coronavirus was going on in China. And I was like, I don't I'm just why is this not getting a bid? You know, why does everybody buy Alteryx and ring central? Like, I don't get it. 
And then it just took off and uh, I sold it and I started buying PagerDuty and I'm like, what was I thinking selling Zoom? Because it did, it did just become so like it, 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 it's one of those things that picked up the, what do you want to call it? Uh, cultural phenomenon. And, the uh, and the, yes, the zeitgeist, the educational, the educational system had, had to be a big part. Zoom University and the college kids now having like parties on it. And I, I think that was a big deal. And I think that like going back to, uh, you know, this, our, our Pinterest, Twitter, like I think you know, all these people in finance just started like seeing their their kids using it, and everyone's on Zoom, 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 and then like that just filtered into the stock market very quickly, and then that just took a life of its own. But I, I like I still so I guess what maybe let's take that for competition for a second is it still seems like their security issues aside ahead of the game. Even even Google Google Hangouts is I would say. The closest, but I've used just in the past few weeks WebEx. I think Zoom is well ahead of it in terms of ease of use and just uptime. I think uptime is the killer feature, just that this video works and you feel synchronous and you feel like you're actually in a conversation. I think Zoom better than, um, you know, better than WebEx, better than. Google Video, Google Hangouts is relatively close. It's much better than Polycom, which we used to use for our, for like group meetings. Polycom, I would always come in a couple seconds after the office. So that was not a lot of fun. Um, that, uh, whereby was one that a colleague used for a call. I think he switched to Zoom. Go to meetings. Go to meetings, an old one. Go to meetings, pretty, I, I, you know, some, I believe, there are seeking alpha authors who like go to meetings, but yeah, I just feel like just from the pure product, is there Skype? I still use Skype for my family. Um, they're still on Skype and FaceTime. FaceTime, I think is generally, but both also like you stick around for 40 minutes or so and they seem to get tired or something. And so I don't know the comp. Do you see somebody that's actually close enough to zoom to, I mean, you obviously, you clearly have, I mean, like what I see is what cable news is using WebEx or Skype, right? Uh, So whenever you see CNN uh, or Fox, they're on one of those two. But uh, as far as businesses and consumers and anybody who's uh, woke, you know, uh, they're on Zoom. So... Uh, but I mean, like, look, the, the, the numbers that you're getting out of being quoted out of like Google and WebEx on usage is very high. So, I mean, there's no getting around that. So they have plenty of customers. There's a, there's a big install base there and, you know, there's an ecosystem uh, for them to leverage, but I, it's, you're right. Like competition wise it's not like something you're really concerned about when you look at it and we didn't even get into i mean things that differentiate they, they've also they now have a pbx which is great right so zoom phone is is a recent product from them i think that was like 2018 
we didn't get much into the, the differentiator that they've been in terms of interconnectedness. Like people build hardware for Zoom. I mean, one thing that I think is interesting, uh, my brother was trying to get like, because uh, he's got a newborn kid who's just kind of growing up now. He's like, I think he's two. And they have Facebook portal. Okay. And, you know, the grandparents on both sides love that from an interaction standpoint because of the the way the camera works hardware wise Mm -hmm. and following you around. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, an AI and and a hardware type. And Facebook is now actually, I think, trying to do more as far as marketing that product. But that's kind of, I mean, if I think of something that I've seen in action that's differentiated in video. Portal is definitely high quality, and it's definitely the way it works in terms of auto auto zooming in and out, and what what it does there is impressive. But other than that, no, you're right. I don't I don't really think about competition. And we've talked about Facebook a lot. Let's just to sort of play because they're always of they're a they are a proven copy and overtake competitor. I mean, obviously the other fangs or whatever are fierce competitors but the what's interesting to think about with them is they've got obviously the virtual reality interest and they've got the inherent user bases they have the live products facebook live and instagram live are both considered effective ways to broadcast not necessarily to group video call it does seem it, what's what's also interesting though about those ad giants is as you've said digital advertising is going to be quite disrupted they obviously have the balance sheet to not worry but do, do you think there's any chance that a year or two from now we're talking about facebook really becoming the threat to zoom or do you think that that's just too no i think focus? that's that, uh, you can't rule that out obviously and i don't think you know in this day and age you ever want to say there's no way that happens or or, I mean, we are at a point where people like making bold predictions, but I, 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 I don't think that's that's a bold prediction you want to make. I, I think Facebook is still focused on so many other things and, and, and maybe more e-commerce and Instagram. And But I think they're, they're more interested in hardware and AI, and that's, that, that's something where, I mean, from a tool standpoint, a lot of what Zoom has done well feature-wise is adding things on to that right like like the transcription and the what do you call them the backgrounds and the voice the text whatever that they've been doing like it, it, it's it's got it's it's a pretty robust tool right so i don't necessarily think that facebook is got the culture to focus on an enterprise video conferencing tool you know which is still where the the money is here. It's still, I guess that was also what I was saying with consumer too. It's hard to see how zoom can make that up. I mean, me- and that's where you get into other things. Like, I mean, ring central has been in focus lately because they've launched like a poor man's version of a competing product here. These two had been partner. There's overlap here and competition and another place where uh, I saw recently Tencent, I think, is launching a product yeah vivu or something vivu or something yeah, yeah. Uh, i i think tiktok has something in this space that they want to do like tiktok's got like a whole suite for themselves right of enterprise 
uh, collaboration tools. There's and and then you do kind of wonder like do these guys butt heads with Teams and Slack, right? Like, you know, like for example, in terms of big consulting firms, I know my sister-in-law they they're using Teams for video conferencing. Uh, I know that the New York school system now switched to Teams from Zoom. So I mean, that's the biggest I think school system in the U.S. Right? So it's these are these are notable things to consider in, in the sense that if security for some at least in education is something that gets in the way they have a, that, that china is also a problem for them dude so understand eric is a chinese immigrant he's a great american success story but he's a chinese immigrant who comes off also as a very clear chinese immigrant based on his uh, language skills and in this highly contested time and you know, I, I don't know if you saw the piece in the Huffington Post on this uh, facial recognition company, uh, Clearview. I did not. Uh, you need to read that. Some alt-right and Peter Thiel and this uh, facial recognition tech startup. It's crazy story. I don't, know. I don't even know where to begin with that. But all of Zoom's production uh, product team, R&D-wise, is, is in China. And like, I mean, if cost control, yeah, so like cost control and like, you got to be thinking, I mean, if your story is like, you're a very well-developed product, that's, that's critical human resources. So if your top engineers are there and they're poachable and it's replicatable in China, I mean, if you get into, want to get in all the beefs that occur in terms of when it comes to technology. So it's one thing to kind of like outsource the support. But it's his R&D team, right, is in China. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's about a third of, of, of Zoom's employee are, are, are based in China uh, for a software company. I think that's, that's a big deal. And these are things that in this climate, he's kind of, he's been on a honeymoon. It's a success story. And now you've got this, you got people in Congress passing the Anti-China Act, right? I mean, and you've this stuff is—we're not passing, proposing, and whatever. But you've—you've you've got the—you've got this beef, you got this election, and you've got security now in focus. Uh, where do you want to be if you're this tool? Public schools, education system, government decisions—like, like if if they just basically say you can't have this, can't be used because the products, designers, security flaws, risk exposure, whatever, it's considered Chinese sensitive. That could be a major issue. Now, you can't envision it like uh, on the surface here, but I mean, it's it's a risk that has come into the equation recently. I mean, you had it, you had it a little bit on the surface before with the trade war, but it, it, it comes front and center now. And I mean, I think that's definitely, that's a challenge for them. Maybe let's then kind of come to a close with the valuation. It's obviously a formidable one. Does it, when you're looking at this stock, you know, there's, it's one of these things. I, I always think it's interesting with stocks because there's that perception game. Zoom is the work from home play, is the coronavirus play. And so you feel dumb that you let it go, even though it's, 
just, you know, I looked, they are free cash flow positive, but they're still trading at 260 times free cash flow or something. Just as a dumb example, they're okay. 50, 50 times sales or whatever you said. How do you, is there, you had said you wanted to think about how they would justify this. How do you well, feel? I mean, I joked and then a lot of people picked up on it. I mean, I had tweeted, I t- did the tweet compare when it was 160 and the market was seriously depressed when it was in full in, inverse ETF mode. And it was, it had a market cap larger than the entire U.S. airline industry. And I, I think I p- pivot picked up on that or uh, like some others, but I mean, like, you know, I, I had, I had just literally that day I was just like, all right, this is crazy. And I, I added it up just to see where they were at when I, when I saw it. Cause I was just like, it's more than half of IBM. And it was like, you know, like you just started doing the numbers and you're like, this is and at that day Facebook was down to like a 350 or something EV and you're you, it, things were getting silly and it was almost the same size as service now and it was it, it was bigger than workday you know like it was getting more expensive on the way down by virtue of both everything else falls off a cliff pretty quickly and it went up another 60% so you, you had you had kind of that dynamic with it where you're like you couldn't just help but like but look at it and be like this is nuts and make fun of it. But they reported earnings March fourth, okay, and they gave a guidance of about nine hundred and twenty-five, I think like nine ten to nine twenty revenue or something for the for the coming year. And that was obviously a notable day for them because they have to guide for for it's the first it was their first time as a public co- company giving an annual guidance for the coming year. And when I had looked at this and gone long, and I mean I had bought a bunch of call options, and I lost a lot of money actually on it in, in end of November, early December. But I was basically like. I'm buying this at $67. That's like 16, 17 times forward at the time. Cause I was like, they're going to do about 610 to 630 or 640. I think they ended up doing like 620 or something or whatever uh, this year. And I think they'll get close to a billion next year. I think in my model, I had like 980, 990 or something, 990. Call it a billion, a billion in revenue. So at the time I was just doing the math, you know, it was like a 16 billion EV and I was like 16 times forward sale for is expensive and it's not something I typically would want to pay like and, and more often than not would be shorting, you know, but in this case, I was like, it's going to grow into this valuation over time. I mean, like I'll buy it. Maybe I'll lose if I'm and I was thinking, you know, from a risk on standpoint, SAS stocks are going to rally. So I was like, this is one that could go back and trade back, you know, in in the 20s. And that was my thinking then. And because I just, there was nothing not to like about it. And I, I couldn't find anything structurally on the business. So I was like, finally, I've got it in a valuation where I can hold it for two years. And that was my thinking then. Now, you got to be like, they're going to do, like, they could potentially blow those numbers away okay the sell side knocked knocked the company this week i think there was a couple of negative notes credit suisse and ventures i don't i don't know who else but 
generally around like the security which became public, but also on like what percentage converts to free, right? And this was part of my pager duty thesis, right? So I was just like, Zoom, you may already have it. You're going to use it more. I mean, one of the interesting things when they reported earnings was they pointed out that like our margins are going to be lower because usage is up and we're, right. and it's we're not and we don't make we don't make more money. Uh, it's not metered the way it's it's running, so it's actually taxing on them and they're doing a lot of free, so they need to convert that into paid. So when they gave when they when they talked about the impact in on uh, their Q4 they're just like you know there's nothing in the numbers from from coronavirus but that was end of january they came out on april 1st and said that they had 200 million people uh 200 million people in meetings a day from 10 million at the end of december and march so and I mean, I've, I, like, I know at least half a dozen people who were not paying for Zoom in the end of February who are on subscription plans now. The, the free usage no longer was cutting it. So you got to start thinking, I mean, that's, that's 20x in terms of usage, but a lot of that's got to be education and uh, like, you know, every university. Uh, turning to it pretty instantly, so like you can't like be thinking it in terms of paid customers, but you got to think what's like what's the monetary impact, and and that's where it's, it's I mean it's obviously challenging to model because you have to have a view on how does churn work here, what's what's the education system look like next fall worldwide, okay, like is it like wh what percentage is is remote and what percentage is back in in a live classroom. And then, it, then there's the element on just people using it uh, as a tool. Like, what, what? How many people who got on it continue to use it for fun and entertainment and so, and in a social manner? And as like, what, 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 like, what percentage of that is like a flame out, and what is it? And then you know, what's the what's the uptick from work from home in the enterprise and that usage? And then what's the offset on uh, security and competition? So, but I mean, I think where they stand today, I don't know. I would be thinking they they, they can do they can do 1.2 billion. Like that's to me got to be conservative. Like if they can't do 1.2 billion, this year, I'd be like obviously you're going to change your views by like let's say the end of the year in terms of how the like the trajectory could drastically slow. The subsequent year but you got to be thinking like you know 1.2 1.3 i don't know but is it 1.5 i don't know can like can they do like are they gonna do 50 percent more than they were doing before if this keeps up at the rate it is because you have people now who are actively paying for it for three months at, at like 20 times or 10 times what you'd been thinking of beforehand and what they had been modeling. I mean, what's your view on that? I think, yeah, I think it would be a little bit if it's hard to write a bull story that doesn't begin with revenue moving up, like you said, because otherwise 
if it's just business as normal, then at this valuation, there, this valuation has to be pricing in some uptick, obviously. I think you can make the case that more usage is going to convert into something, whether it's that they change up the business model, whether it's... I mean, you don't have... It's going... It's converting into significantly more revenue than they were expecting in the beginning of March already. That's for sure, okay? I've done the homework to, to, to convince myself of that clear. I have actually thought, thought looked at it yesterday, you know, as it was down again. And I was like, I mean, this is kind of, this is where I sold it when this, when this all started before, like when the president was still in denial and like, it didn't seem like this thing would, would four weeks ago, I'm looking at it and being like, and, and, and that, that was before they even reported because I, when it went into earnings, and I was I was out of it. I was like, they're not going to see any impact because of the free usage. And I was just thinking globally, not yet before things had happened in the U.S. at the level they had. And I didn't think they'd they'd factor that into guidance because they would take the view that they would they would factor it into guidance on the margins, but they really wouldn't be of they would they're going to take a wait and see approach as far as what turns into paid usage and that is going to have to depend on how long this crisis lasts. And they're obviously not rooting it for, to, for it to continue. Okay. But like Slack did the same thing. So Slack went through this thing where they reported, they gave this like tempered guidance. And then like, they came back like 10 days later and they're like, we had the most signups ever. So CEO tweeted, had a tweet. Yeah. And he gave, he gave like a whole recap of it. If zoom was to give a financial update, it would be a note like they're going to knock the cover off the ball for the next quarter. Right. As far as I don't know anybody, like I'm sure these numbers are going to like could wildly surprise people. So my thinking is, do I buy that stock today? And either they come out with an update that knocks it up and then I sell it or I sit in it to learnings and take that good news and then worry about, everything we've discussed now in terms of security and it, because you're not going to see any negative adjustment financially. Like this is where you got to start thinking like I get a huge boost, then I'm going to have some churn. That's notable. This is a business where the, if things normalize, okay. Let's not say if, when things normalize somewhat that they see a drop off in demand. There's just no getting around that. So according to the numbers we have on our site, 925 or 26 is still the estimate for 2020 for this fiscal year, 1.25 for next year. What do you need to see? You said 1.2 is sort of a, it, to me, that sounded like it would be disappointing if they became below that. What would you need to see as a eventual well i mean let's take a sorry, let's take an example of something that surprised people this week and i'm not like really into it or anything but like i just noticed it wayfair okay wayfair went up a lot they came out and they're just like you know we were growing at this rate january february and that rate doubled the last two weeks of march and the stock went up like 30 percent, right i mean all furniture stores are closed down and whatever i, I guess some people were ordering it i didn't I haven't looked closely. I just looked at the headlines, right? Because uh, on the flip side, I've been short Shopify, right? And Shopify gave an update that like actually caused the stock to go down. 
But then, I mean, of course, Shopify have been performing well. Like Wayfair is a freaking disaster. It's been a fantastic short, right? I mean, Finally, yeah. For the last year, right? I mean, it's it's been one where it didn't come back. It didn't make a new high. It's been making new lows. And then, like, it got cremated. They actually raised money just recently in the 40s. And they've had layoffs. And, I mean, I've been yeah, seeing. Yeah, all kinds of problems. And you're like, how the hell did they see such an uptick? And it seems like it was one of these perversions that's occurring in this environment where they soak up all the demand. Like I've been looking for adjustable dumbbells. I can't find them anywhere in America. Unless I want to go on eBay and pay $1,200 for $300 dumbbells. There's clearly an element that – so when I think of a Zoom, okay – I think of Zoom as like the ultimate least friction, like everybody got on it. And then they went through that month maybe where like you used it up. But then you get to this point where a significant amount of people are paying them. Does that double their growth rate? Is that conceivable in such a short time period? It's, it is. It's not hard. I mean, if he's going to tell you that we, we've gone from, we've gone 20x up in the amount of people meetings, yes. Because of the way meetings work, it's a, it's a different dynamic. And you have people sitting in meetings who aren't paying. And like, you know, if you're inviting them in and you're the host, but you definitely have a situation where they going from 920 million, which is what you were expecting without coronavirus. Okay. And I was expecting a billion on that. So like, remember any SaaS stock, high visibility, you're, you're planning on beating by five to 10 million a quarter for one of these. Your, your first year public, you're guiding annually, you're going to probably be even more conservative. The, the SaaS stocks don't miss headline revenue numbers, okay? But like, you have to be really, really bad at it. Like, there's billings, there's uh, dollar-based retention changes, but generally speaking, what they guide, you got, you, you got to factor in, there's 10% upside in the year. To me, if they're guiding for like 910 to 920, they can do like they got to be thinking they can do 960 970 so my my 1 billion target isn't in, you know 990 or whatever isn't insane so now in this environment i got to be thinking i have a huge surge in uh, q2 q3 yeah. and then maybe like a notable tapering off but still better than the original trajectory that trajectory that we had at the end of the year i would be thinking that they can be at, at they should be at minimum 1.2 billion this year like it, it, it like it it could be something that big in terms of impact on their business and when i think of it that way then it's just like all right so if you're if you're buying this uh, where it is right now like roughly at a if if it gets back to let's say let's say it drops another 10% then you know you're paying you know 23 times uh forward sales and let's say that but like that's this is where it gets kind of tricky does the growth rate really drop off the next year at which point you're playing that game but i mean if you're a trader right here it's 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 worth a long maybe Definitely if it comes down another 10%. But 
when you get out further on the curve, it's I, yeah, I think it gets I, I think it gets harder because you could have churn, you could have you're gonna you're gonna have churn, and then it's a question of how much how much did you pull forward, and then you can go back to these things like data security, privacy, and China. When when the imminent concern over the health risk goes away and we start talking just focusing on the economic issues and and 5g and security like this is definitely a company where the fact that their product team is in china is something that may come up and uh, and this this incident and the fbi looking into it and 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 whatnot is definitely going to be something that they're going to have to deal with so I guess that's an offset on that yeah it's just it's interesting because the way you frame it the the trade is you know is the obvious thing is that people are going to be using this a lot and so they're but it's like with everything else in this environment you're trying to see what's what's a temporary effect and do you make it through that temporary effect if it's a downside or do you how much do you benefit if it's an upside but then also what's going to be a lasting change and so for zoom we have on the upside Maybe there's new long-lasting adoption or maybe just the user base, like they get a level up, but then their growth rate kind of continues as if this hadn't happened just with a bigger base, etc. And on the downside, you have that they're actually going to have to spend more. Does it affect the UX? Does competition figure it out because they've given them this opening, ironically, given the security issues? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, it is confusing. I mean, just like going back to what we were discussing earlier, when you when you think about just for them from an identity standpoint, do they get tempted to be a consumer? Hey, we just had this whole new massive TAM open up for us. Because what exactly is an enterprise video software company, a video conferencing company going to be worth max market cap, right? You're not thinking 100 billion max. Right. I mean, it's a competitive space when you get into UCAS and PBX and the hardware and everything else. Like, there's limitations here. So that's when you start thinking, well, what, where are you as a consumer tool? And whether they start looking at their valuation and thinking, and, and we were, what about acquisitions? You know, like, are they, is there something for them to buy here? Like, do, do they look at their market cap today? I mean, we've seen this so many times in the past. And you always wonder with companies like this, because we're well past the lockup. So it's not like, hey, my I have this crazy valuation that is overinflated because uh, my shares are locked up. Like, insiders have been selling. Like, this is not, like, a secret here. So they could raise more cash. I don't, they don't necessarily need it. Right? Is is there a reason to to get a big war chest like we've seen the likes of Shopify uh, and Twilio do at times? But I mean, they're in a position where they can look at other businesses in the software space. Uh, we're not talking about just tiny add-on acquisitions, you know? Like this is a company that is what is it? Three times the market the value of uh, of Twilio now. I mean, and that's like what your CPaaS leader, with their you know contact center as a service and uh, and and notifications and the infrastructure API, like there's 
so many things that they could conceivably do if they wanted to. I mean, I've thought I've thought about them buying pager duty, right? That, but not like it's strategically fit. But it's like, what if they just want to go into that space, right? Like, what if they want to be part of the monitoring space? And what if they're just looking at potential acquisitions where they're like, look, these things are really, really cheap. <laughs> And our stock price is golden currency right now, and we can use it. Because we are in an environment where revenue visibility has been coming at a premium. Like, look at Netflix. Compared, like, we got people, I, I read some of the comments on our, our Disney thing, and there was that one person who, who told us to stay in our lane and not and come back to uh, tech stocks. And I mean, I, I mean, and I get that. And, and that's fine, but I, I, I personally think streaming has been, and media is something where we've touched on so many things. Yeah, that we've, it, we've been it, it is. It, it's it, if it's if it's not in the lane, let alone in, in like dead center of the lane, it's it's hard not to view it that way. But Disney and Netflix having the same market cap, it's not. It's not exactly far-fetched scenario as far as enterprise value actually market cap i thought they're like we discussed it last time it did pass them for a day or two but uh, let's say on ev and that's because when you look at the netflix's business right now with all the stuff we used to talk about in the past about criticism and we're not going to go back into this because we spent so much time but it just has visibility and when i look at zoom today like it has visibility. There's it's a premium on visibility. But like we said, the premium here is, is absurd. And if you're a long-term investor, and I don't know what that even means anymore, but if you are a long-term investor and you're thinking, well, okay, this is what the multiple is going to be looking like this year. Like, let's say we go through this exercise where you could like, man, what if they do 1.5 billion? What, what if they grow faster off of this larger base and they dub more than double this year in revenue and that brings the multiple down notably? Like if you get to 1.5, then you're like, okay, I mean, you know, this, this falls another 10%. It's like a, uh, I'm paying the same multiple as Everbridge. Like that's okay. I, I'll buy Zoom, particularly at, 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 their, at, their, at their margins. But then that multiple changes drastically next year if that growth rate falls off a cliff. Because that's the way you got to look at it. Because you got to look at there's you, You're going to lose a lot in terms of normalization. And it's going to make a success story look like it, it hit a wall because of this gyration back and forth. And that's like, uh, that's, a t that's a tough exercise to go through because you got... It's like, I, I want to be bullish on it here. And that goes back to the inverse ETF factor of it from before where it was like defensive. And now it's like the market, people have calmed down a little bit and, and like the slightest crack or problem emerged. And, you know, it's gone from, you know, 160 to, you know, 105 yesterday, I think at one point in a week. Right, which is the other thing to keep in mind is that those that fly high, you get in that sort of volatile reaction loop too. So, 
I mean, clearly that's the type of people who are trading it. I mean, they're in, they're out, they're in. Like, I don't think you have that many people in it who were looking at it in the same way of people who were in it last year. And that's where you have the sell side with, like, the, the, the notes that came out this week were rational notes, and they're like, we're trying to be objective, and they want to build you these these elaborate models. But modeling this thing over the next three quarters is like mission impossible. I mean, in the same way, it's a difficult mission to model like a Disney or a Carnival Cruise Lines. This is just as difficult because we're going to swing. We potentially could swing multiple times. Kind of a huge surge. And then that huge surge is like some a combination of a pull forward and then followed off by a you know a return to normalcy drop in and like the decline in activity that comes with that it's like oh i'm canceling my zoom i'm canceling my zoom like people are going to go through a point at, at the, by the end of this year where they look at all the stuff that they're subscribed to in this entire you know while they've been home like i need to get rid of this guy subscribed to cbs's uh, what do you call it uh, Streaming service. Well, NBC's got theirs coming out. I'm not aware. Yeah, so I subscribe to CBS's, and like that's not worthy of keeping, but I haven't canceled yet. I'm on my one year free from my app, my new iPhone on Apple. There's no chance in hell I'm going to be paying them for that. Right? And I, I like all content, but unless they have like some show that like it literally achieves Game of Thrones status, and I have no choice. And I don't know how it's going to even get to that. Like, uh, with the amount of content that's out there today, like it's very hard to, for a show to come out on that level and achieve that type of, uh, let's just call it like, to popularity and cultural phenomenon. Uh, I think so. I, I'm I'm on QB, which just launched, which is interesting, because I had some views on on how that works. I actually wonder why, like. Why Apple didn't go that way, but like I'm already thinking that I want to be paring things down, like by the end of the year. And I'm I, I'm listening to God knows how many different podcasts, and like you know, you're on Twitter and all these things. And like this behavior is not sustainable. Uh, and I'm subscribing to like new things and new services and newsletters, and and you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna cancel a lot of these things. And I and like I think for for many people. Zoom is going to be something uh, in the that's cancel book. In the cancel book, yeah. Okay. All right, let's let's uh, let's leave it there. I think it's a lot of yeah. It's just it is obviously as a headline, such an interesting stock for our market. But I think also those deeper issues just show the uncertainty here, and so I think that's really interesting. I mean, where do you, where are you on it as a production utility tool? From like, do you see this as being something that uh, entertainers I, are all using on a regular basis in the future? I like, think it, I, like it if I want if I want to launch my own sorry if I want to launch my own uh, uh, what do you want to call it broadcasting service covering NBA games? Okay, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't need to be picked up from a network. I'll just start recording and. Uh, Doing my own play-by-play, I see if I can build an audience. Like, well, I think it's gonna. Well, you know that that specifically you have to deal with the rights still. I think, but 
I do think it it's the same as I would say, I think it accelerates something that might not have happened as quickly. I, I can give, again, start with the Seeking Alpha example. We had forever been thinking, oh, you know, podcasts you can kind of do from home and you can figure it out. And we've got into a reasonable level of just home recording and using Zoom and other software tools to kind of get the production levels decent. But video, uh, you know, advertisers are not going to be happy. You want to have something that's professional quality. And I think this has opened people's eyes to, well, no, you can probably do a lot of the stuff that you would do in a normal production level. I don't think you can replace scripted television through Zoom, but broad newscasting or whatever else, I do think that's opened people's eyes. And so, yeah, I do think they will get some incremental head tailwind from that that they would not that would have taken longer and is not just a pull forward so i do think that's there i do think like personal trainers on zoom like that's been a popular thing yeah i could see that like I do could... i need to be peloton like did, did this somehow despite the benefit of peloton being uh a, a, you know a gym from home perfectly timed ipo tool with subscriber service and classes did the fact that this just made it easy for every single trainer who was working in a gym or anyone in the business of doing trying to generate money because they got laid off of something else or whatever teaching classes on zoom did this just become a new competition did this just change the an advantage that like someone like peloton had because Zoom all, all of a sudden became a platform for all anyone who wants to do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's essentially what's happened here is that they've widened up the potential. You get that user base, they have to pay a little bit more for servers and they're gonna have to clean up invest more in cleaning up the security. But it does give them, as I think people see how smooth this is. I think it will open up other use cases that some we're seeing and speculating on and some which we might not know yet or just not be aware of. So yeah, I I think in general, you're going to see for all the volatility you're saying about you will see churn, you will see people go back to normal, etc. I do think they do pick. I think they are, if you look at it five years from now and Imagine an alternate universe without coronavirus. I think five years from now, Zoom is likely much better off than they would have been. And I think their revenue is significantly higher as a light as a result of picking up those, just these users and opening up new use cases because they, and this is to go back to their history. This is what's interesting is because they focused on what I think is that one feature everybody cares about, which is that the video works the same way that I, I feel like Google, I think the thing they figured out was that you have to load the search results quickly or whatever, you know, but it's like you find that one feature that actually people care about whatever else they say. And in their case, it's that the video works. I mean, to me, the thing that's is like, you just click on the link. Yeah. I mean, that's also part of the problem as far as permission security and it loads on your computer and then it's in the background. But, it really is as frictionless as can be. Other question for you, though. Where are you on China backlash on this? Do you think the CEO's background, the location, and the security, is this something that 
he's dealing with in six months or is this you know a flash in the pan and, and they don't think about much of it I don't have a strongly informed opinion. I would say the security aspect of it is a lasting thing until they figure it out. I think the I'm skeptical. I'm not putting a lot of weight yet. I could be kind of blowback going on, right? Right. I mean, like Luckin Coffee just blew up. You had the other educate. What was it? Tal Education yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Dan David Wolfpack, very good guys. They're they're out with an IG. Yeah. Right. Which is going back to, you know, my former favorite Baidu disaster, largest shareholder. So I don't know. If we're, I don't know if we're like in a systemic China risk phase type thing. Like this isn't a China based company. It's got, uh, you know, 700 or so engineers in China and, and some infrastructure in China, IT infrastructure in China. But you can see the product. I guess that's where I, th- because it's US based. So you, you have more faith in the financials and because you just, it's, you know, you can bite into the product as it were in a way that. Yeah, of course. You're not worried about fraud, but what you're worried about is that they're dealing with so- something where everybody's face ID, et cetera, can potentially be accessed by people in China or have them to do yeah. China exposure I think to China security. Like that's where you go back to what, what you see. Like I, I was very surprised. I mean, like uh, on the education front, New York reacting so quickly on this thing. And I think, I mean, we like it was funny listening to uh, Pivot and Scott and Kara talking about the the her experience because they've been doing a lot on this Zoom thing lately, and they the, that is entertaining when you when you sit and. Hear them talking about porn and uh, him explaining fisting and whatever, <laughs> but you're you're also at the same time like, well, okay, I mean, like I don't have kids, but if I did, kind of horrifying. Yes, right. Like, like clearly, uh, government officials and education department of education should be thinking about an immediate directive that this is on hold, and if you can switch to something else, that's where they kind of run an issue. And I mean, I, I guess maybe like from like for a long-term investor, maybe that's enough right now to give a little pause because the thing that made this thing from a competitive standpoint so bulletproof, because again, we're not talking about video conferencing being something like you said when we started this, like we're, they, didn't, they didn't invent the wheel. And that marginal simplicity, ease of use, and it just, like you said, it just works so well and that's something he focused on so so much is what made you think with this that like i'm not worried about microsoft and skype for business right or hangouts like this this is a landslide you know this is a winner take all player in its space and these developments which have thrusted into the spotlight could actually harm that yeah, I think, you know, they've made it so that password requirement is a default. So I think they're taking some steps trying to, I I, I, I guess what I, I, I don't think, again, I think it's still a ton priced in here. So that's where I don't want to brush that off. I think 
so far, the fact that he's taking a, the CEO has been proactive and does seem to still have decent goodwill. And I would also say, you know, maybe it's just I'm in the wrong deck, having been in the 2010s. Regulatory driven fears. I've just bearish that the regulators, as somebody who is generally believes in smart and thoughtful regulation, I just don't think regulation has proven to be a major bear catalyst for any number of companies. And so I wouldn't, on the one hand, I think individual school systems will continue to take caution until they feel that Zoom has its act together. But I also don't think neither the current administration nor whatever becomes the next one will have this top of mind as something that will add more weight than consumer concerns will add already for zoom yeah, you're probably right. right i mean i'm a, i'm i'm in the same camp as you like you don't every time people get overreacted like that's a that's typically been for a business like that a buying opportunity but yeah. in in this case the only thing it's got going against it is I mean, I, when you think about them just dominating the with both Zoom phone and at the meetings, essentially the entire, you know, unified communications market and video conferencing in general, I, I look at it as like a business that just recently got to like half the market value that it could achieve if it completely owned that space at at supreme domination levels. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it is, is that they will get some more use cases, they'll get some more users, but at some point they can't, you can't expect them to... Unless it becomes a media company. Which is a major change in DNA. I mean, if correct, if it's a challenge for Apple to figure out, Apple's obviously a behemoth, but still, like, it's not easy to think that they can just pivot and get that right yeah and it's it's like if you do get to the point where the consumer tools can do the group chats better the i think that the, that kind of something that functionality wise maybe maybe a facebook we're not talking about it as a competitor but a, a marginal improvement there probably works in their favor yeah so, okay. Well, all right. Any, so I think Google came up. Disney probably came up. I still have positions. Pinterest came up. I still have my trivial position. Any, What's up? I know they had a nice little. But, like, I don't know why, how, how it's, that was viewed positively because. They pulled guidance and they're. Seeing... I mean, they basically told you that it's, things started to deteriorate rapidly at the end of the, at the end of March, but we're not going to give any guidance. Yeah. But Hey, our, our, our Q1 was good. I mean, you would think that like travel wise and uh, restaurant wise, they don't have that advertising exposure. That's what I they mean, say. Maybe yeah. some destination they had like very minimal, but you would also think that move. Like I was seeing some stuff on where programmatic pricing is, like what from like six dollars to like a dollar ten to like some crazy shit going on in the ad space, but I would think that they are someone who on an ad basis takes a pretty decent hit next quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically... I, I think this is probably a write-off year for them after getting booking a decent Q1. Any, so any positions for you? Any any longs of yours or shorts that you, you mentioned Shopify? Are you still short Shopify? Yes. Okay. Any other positions? Short. Or... Uh, um, hmm. Short Everbridge. Long pager duty. And... Did we talk about anything else? Are you Facebook? Are you still in it? A little bit. That's it for tech. I mean, I sold everything else. I mean, I've been like in, you know, like a Mosaic and Coca Cola and Exxon Mobil. Going back to the real economy. Uh-huh. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> interesting. I mean, I just think it'll be interesting to see where we go from here because the market. Yesterday's not to get all like te- technical and sentiment. Yesterday's flip though from a pretty positive day to slightly down might be an interesting. Just feels like we've gone out. I mean, this thing is not going fast. to play itself out, and uh, like it's very possible that you can have a significant rally and be meaningfully lower in two years. Yeah, like the tech bubble was eighty percent down. I think as people, when we when GF global financial crisis we started in '07, we bottomed March six oh nine. So call that you know just about two years. Great Depression was you know ninety twenty nine to thirty two, uh, about three years. This, in terms of immediate economic damage, is far worse than any of those. There's just like it's there's like no comparison whatsoever. It's not even it's not even worth because financial crisis was it started and it took time. Same thing with going back to Great Depression. That was again something that started with the stock market and then the slow ongoing process. And this is just like an instantaneous economic shutdown and the the a huge level of disruption that it's going to cause in a system going forward for a while and 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 because the economy is so services driven now that's what a lot of people forget when they draw these comparisons this is the first time we've had a shock like that on this scale to the services sector like this is a seventy percent services economy. When people do like I, I, I saw some comparisons over the last two weeks of the Great Depression, and I'm like, these comparisons are ridiculous because the thirty percent of GDP then was roughly farming, which is like less than five percent today, and like another thirty percent was like heavy industry, which again, teeny today. In the United States, that stuff when you have a crash, it is GDP super sensitive because historically it just shrinks drastically really quickly because you just stop producing uh, demand for hard goods. Services don't tend to move in the same fashion. They the the 
the gyration of demand is very different. So this time you've actually had something like the one thing that could actually rock services, a virus, which forces you into a behavior change that is what we call artificial, but like it's not much you can do about it. And then you deal with the shock that comes with it. And that's that's the challenge, I think, with this, that like we can sit here and get excited about today and maybe like two months from now. But then you're like, it's like all the legal issues and headaches and uh, bankruptcy court. I mean, I was talking to somebody who was talking about how jammed up the bank bankruptcy courts are going to be for the next two years. And like the legal backlog, like everything got pushed back. We didn't, we stayed away from the whole sports thing, like the depression that causes to that. But like, what happens to people who miss a year, and what happens to athletes, and how does this impact universities that no longer have revenue? That if they miss March Madness and that they now miss the college football season, like that's a big source of revenue for a ton of schools. And how does that change the way? education operates going forward just from a financial standpoint for how they're disrupted in where their primo revenue has been coming from on a short-term basis. Who knows? I mean, uh, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, that's what plays so much with multiples because you get really excited about something and then you're like, ah, do I really want like, I know people are like this was the most we've ever fallen thirty percent, and da, 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 da. and you're like, all right, so what? <laughs> it's like, where, where have we really gone? So uh, to, we're at twenty times earnings. Is that really bad? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some stocks that have hit prices that are insane, and then there are some stocks where they're trading at thirty-five times revenue. So. Th- th- I've never seen anything like it in terms of, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise. I, I do wonder what like a Warren Buffett is thinking at this time and, and, and the like a long-term super oriented investor, because for example, the Coca-Cola that I bought two weeks ago, that I sold yesterday. It's like 30% in two weeks. Let me tell you that didn't happen in financial crisis. Mm-hmm. You didn't like, you couldn't make money on Coca-Cola. Like Coca-Cola was defensive. It held up well, and it didn't have like a two-week plummet or something crazy. It didn't trade like a financial stock ever. Uh, it, there was no, there was, there was not volatility in it anywhere on that level. So when Coca-Cola trades like that, and there's reasons, obviously, sports eating out and the, uh, the impact to its business globally, and it, you can you can make sense of that. And where the valuations are today, it's not remotely cheap like it used to be on a, on a PE basis at least. And you're like, am I going to see this again? And if that's happening, do I really, do I really want to mess with salesforce.com and Atlassian and, and Twilio and Zoom and these things? And that's kind of where you get stuck with it. Like, you know, some people may tell you stay in your lane, but you may be like, you know what? Not really comfortable with this lane right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Good stuff, Akram. Stay safe. And we will be interested to see how Zoom specifically trades in its own lane and where we go. I mean, I'm sure next time we talk, there will still be a lot going on that we still don't know and a lot of weird stuff happening in between. Same to you, man. Definitely stay safe. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if they say something. Let's see. Because they, they have some negative news. Will they wait to earnings or will they come out and be like, eh, we're, you know, our preliminary numbers are way better than expected? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something to watch. All right. Take care, man. Bye bye.